You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking with Matt Davis and Ron Davis. Uh, they're the co-founders of the Jewish Road, father-son team. Guys, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your ministry, maybe why Jewish Road exists and what do you guys do? Well, we've been in ministry in some form or fashion for years, uh, definitely more so my dad, because he's much, much older than me. But uh, <laughs> we we found ourselves uh, really finding ourselves in the middle of, uh, you know, being parts of the Christian church, but also having our heritage and our identity as, as Jewish people. Uh, and I grew up in a in a Jewish family, a Jewish household, but also went very early on at Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa and okay. really trying to figure out over the course of, of our life, my life, uh, who am I? What am I doing here? Am I Jewish? Am I Christian? And, you know, after we've done ministry for so long, we really felt like uh, this story needs to be told. And really, we tell it in what we call a two act play, right, Dad? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's as if all of the Jewish people in the world uh, bought tickets to this two-act play, and they went in and saw the first act, and at intermission, they got up, went out through the lobby, got a drink, and went home. And uh, all of the Christians bought tickets to the same two-act play, but uh, they totally missed the first act, uh, <laughs> went, saw the second act, and somewhere in between, the two groups passed each other in the lobby, and then they never saw each other again. And that's the problem. So our whole uh, thing is uh, bringing both of, both sides of that story, both acts together for both groups so that uh, we help Christians get in touch with their Jewish roots and so they can help uh, Jews make sense out of Jesus. Mm. Okay. You know, pretty and straightforward so and easy. Yeah, yeah, super easy. So, uh, Matt, you said Calvary Chapel. So, I went to Vanguard University. Are you familiar with that school down oh, there? Oh, yeah, yeah, right down yeah, the street. Yeah. Right down in Southern California. I just, you said Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. I was like, ah, ah hey, I've been right there. down the street. I've yeah. been there. Well, cool. Um, so, are you guys, are you guys speaking to two different audiences? How does that work? Are you addressing two different audiences separately or are you like, man, I, uh, from a marketing standpoint, at least I, I see all kinds of like things popping up as, oh, I yeah. wonder what they do, how they handle this situation. Yeah. Who's our audience and who are we talking to at any given time? And, and really, like, I would say that probably for the most part, uh, what, what we assumed originally is that the Jews would not listen to us at all. Right. Okay. Um, uh, because through a Jewish mindset, they look at us and they say, oh, these guys have a, they believe in Jesus. They are no longer Jewish, which is amazing because you can be 
Jewish. You could be born in Israel, uh, and you could totally renounce your Jewish faith and move to Thailand, worship Buddha, and you're still Jewish, right? <laughs> but right. the second that you say that you're Jewish and you believe in Jesus, you are no longer Jewish. So if we wanted to make Aliyah, which is basically to, to ascend, to go up and to have our citizenship in Israel, um, it would be really hard. It's not impossible anymore, but it's there's a fight uh, for your life to be able to get that citizenship because mm. they they say you're no longer Jewish. You are with them. You belong to the other side. So are we talking to both groups? Um, absolutely. We we really uh, connect with churches, uh, evangelical churches, Christian churches across the country, across the world, to be able to share this story, to equip them in their faith and to grow their faith. Uh, but we also don't want it to stop there. We can't just be uh, a container. We have to be a conduit of the good news. And so we want to be able to have that go out and uh, to equip the church to be able to share with Jewish people. Okay. So is, is there like training, equipping type elements to your ministry? Are you guys traveling to Israel with groups of people? Like what, what is it that you actually tangibly do? Yeah. Well, we're, we are going uh, with a group this October because uh, Israel's finally opened back up. We're taking a group to Israel. Uh, okay. We just got back from, of all places, uh, uh, we got back from Cuba and we spent a week in Cuba. Oh. And you would probably say to yourself, well, are there Jews in Cuba? Well, there is. There's a there's a Jewish community in Havana, and we've got several hundred uh, Jewish people there. And what we were doing was equipping the Cubans uh, and their ministry leaders uh, with, with an understanding of the Jewishness of the gospel. Mm. In fact, we uh, we spoke in one. <clears throat> they have they have a lot of house churches there, and we spoke in one of the house churches. Uh, there's probably about 30 or 40 people, uh, including uh, ministry leaders. And we asked them, uh, how many of you have Jewish friends or no Jewish people here? And almost everybody's hand went up, which kind of surprised us. And uh, so there, there are Jewish people there in Cuba. And this is just one other place. And giving uh, them uh, the Jewish roots of the faith also, I mean, they, they were just eating, eating it up. Mm, that's amazing. And okay, cool. So as as we start our conversation today, can you guys give a little background for both of you into how you got into this space, how you got into the ministry, like what prompted you to start the Jewish Road? Yeah. Well, let's let's begin where it began. Um, and I think uh, it starts with a a young Jewish boy growing up in Brooklyn. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I was born in Brooklyn. I always like to say because I wanted to be close to my mother, but uh, I uh, I lived in uh, I lived in Brooklyn uh, into my elementary school years, and then we picked up and we moved to California. And in uh, in New York, uh, we were living in a predominantly Jewish neighborhood, uh, so there there wasn't a lot of uh, issues uh, that we had uh, concerning who we were. In fact, even the public school I went to uh, closed on the Jewish high holidays. So mm. uh, that was that was one facet of life. But then we moved to California and it was completely different because the neighborhood was not predominantly Jewish anymore. Uh, and most of my friends were not Jewish. Uh, but 
one of the things that I remember was when I was about 10 years old, I was playing, uh, playing on the ground, playing marbles with, uh, with my friend. And, uh, as he leaned over this little chain with a, with a cross fell out of his t-shirt with a little man on it. And I asked him what it was. And he said, well, that's a, it's a crucifix. And he could probably tell with a dumb look on my face that I didn't know what in the world he was talking about. <laughs> and so he said, it's Jesus. And I still didn't know what he was talking about. So the first thing I did was I went home and asked my mom if I could have one of those things, just like Buddy, you know, and she <laughs> said, no. And I said, why not? And she said, he's not for you. And okay, when you're 10 and your mom says he's not for you, he's not for you. And that's the way it was, uh, I guess, for the next 16 years. And then uh, one, one night, uh, we were having dinner at my folks house. And after dinner, uh, my mom had something to tell us and she had been acting pretty giddy. She was, I ought to tell you, she was sick on heavy medication for quite a while and okay. uh, she was having a hard time, but lately she was seeming pretty happy. And, uh, I figured, well, that's good. And she said, well, your father and I have something to tell you after dinner. And, uh, they said, you heard of Hebrew Christians, right? I said, no, I really haven't. It sounds like an oxymoron, you know. Uh, so she said, well, your father and I have become Hebrew Christians. We believe that Jesus is the Messiah and his name is Yeshua. And that was the first witness that I actually had to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. So uh, it started a uh, months-long uh study and arguing uh, with uh, theologians and, uh, you know, a lot of people until I ran out of arguments. And I finally came to the point where uh, I was convinced of the truth of who Jesus, who Yeshua was. And I said, okay, uh, he's the Messiah. And I accepted him. Uh, and I think it was mostly a, a matter of being convinced of the truth. Uh, the issue of sin and all that kind of stuff came later. But that's kind of the short version of, uh, of that story. Uh, we, uh, uh, all of, huh? Well, I was going to say, all, all of that took place the year before I was born. And so yeah. I, I, I grew up into this environment where my parents are trying to figure out their faith and what it is that they believe and who they are. And so I grew up in this. And really, my early years were spent, like I told you, uh, at Calvary Costa Mesa. Uh, but they're part of a group that really... Uh, it, was, it was a group of, of believers that wanted to understand the roots of their faith and really part of this pioneering movement in Southern California uh, to start one of the first Messianic congregations. And that's really where I grew up. Uh, and later on down the line, uh, became I went to Biola University and Talbot and all the fun stuff and, and became a pastor uh, at a church in Orange County and was there for a number of years. Uh, but you know, coming out, we we moved out of California just a couple of years ago, and now we're in Central Kentucky, um, and and really just kind of at a at a pivoting point in in all of our lives. But just thought, you know, it's time to be able to tell this story uh, and really draw these two groups. And really, yeah, I, I think you're right. Is we're we're talking to two different audiences. How do we actually leverage years of experience of teaching and sharing the gospel uh, to both? Christians and, and to the Jewish people, um, but to bring all of these resources together in a winsome uh, and fun way, but also so that we're drawing out a depth and a truthfulness of, of what Scripture is trying to reveal. Mm. 
I think we'd say we're talking to two different audiences, but we have the same message. Right. Yeah. So, so Ron, your, your salvation story took place significantly years later from that, that first time your parents came to you and said, uh, Hey, we're going to start following this man named Jesus. Oh, I thought it was yeah, a 10. It, it and then you said, <laughs> you said it wasn't until you had Matt that you guys accepted it. Well, it, it was really actually a matter of months um, before I ran out of arguments. And uh, I, I had to look at the scriptures in the Old Testament. Um, I had to look at the Hebrew scriptures. I had to look at the Hebrew. I had to look at the wording. And, uh, you know, everything pointed to the fact that you know, our God, who was one, uh, always expressed himself in the plural. Um, mm. it, it happened uh, that uh, there was uh, there were so many scripture texts, like my mother uh, said, can I read something to you out of the Bible? I said, it's got to be my Bible. She said, it's in Isaiah. I said, is that in my Bible? Uh, that's about <laughs> as much as I knew back then. So she read Isaiah 53, and okay. she said... Who does that sound like? I said, it sounds like Jesus. What's he doing in my Bible? And <laughs> that was part of the launching into, you know, really an investigation uh, of, you know, of who this man was. I had friends growing up all the time that would say, you know, why don't you believe in Jesus? He's your Messiah. And I would just kind of hand them off and uh, say, you guys are nuts. <laughs> you mm. know, that's fine for you. But. I'm Jewish. So, well, and, and this is one of the, the impetus behind what we want to do as well is if, if you're a Christian and you want to go share the gospel with a Jewish person, they're going to say, you got to show it from my book. Right. So how do you actually, it, it was a question we asked of the people and we, we were there, there's 110 house churches in Cuba and the pastors and leaders of those churches. And we're there and we said, if you had to share the gospel, but you couldn't use the new Testament, could you do it? And, mm. and really the kind of our fallback and what we were trained on in the church and what I've taught, you know, kids and generations of people is let's, let's hit the Roman road. Right. And like, we start with Roman three twenty three right. For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God and six twenty three the consequences of sin is death. Well, if you take a Jewish person down the Roman road, that road will lead to a dead end. So we established what we call the Jewish road, not that we established it. It's just been there all along, but people needed a systematic way to be able to share the gospel from the Old Testament so that when you have a Jewish person and they say, well, tell me about this Jesus, but do it from my book. Well, we can actually read from the Old Testament. We can quote from the New, and unfortunately, a lot of our people, they don't know their scripture. Some of them know it immensely, but some of them, most of them don't know it at all. But if we can actually share the gospel through passages like Ecclesiastes 7 and Psalm 22 and Psalm 2 and Isaiah 53, and even from Genesis 1-1, we can go through all of this and present mm -hmm. that scripture from Act 1 from the very beginning has always pointed to a Messiah that would come. Well, and I obviously there's implications and application for that idea can you share jesus only using using the old testament for a jewish audience but even in the context of like this progressive christian movement where we're trying to <clears throat> apologize for the old testament god and 
and and say that Jesus came and was this apology to that God, like that that this uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like this model applies in that kind of context as well, right? Well, you're, you're talking about the the angry Old Testament God. That... Yeah, this angry Old Testament God that Jesus has to come on the scene and apologize for because they clearly can't be the same person. Do you want to take that? Clearly time? can't be the same God. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that that is uh, one of the hurdles that we have to overcome, you know, that I had to overcome, uh, seeing that uh, that Yeshua is really uh, the God who existed from the beginning uh, before anything was created. And in fact, he was the one who created uh, all that uh, was created. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's the idea of, you know, even looking at the first verse of the scriptures in Genesis 1-1, you know, it, it would read in Hebrew, Bereshith bara Elohim. Uh, well, it says in the beginning out of absolutely nothing, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, God, Elohim, is actually plural. And so you ask yourself, well, why are we looking at uh, one God? And he, he presents himself in a plural form here. And mm-hmm. that repeats itself in many places throughout the scriptures. Yeah. Let us create man in our image. Uh, I, we, I'm going through Genesis right now. He just said something. He uses the us terminology all right. the time throughout the yeah. book of Genesis. Yeah. Hmm. Um, as you guys have, have started the Jewish road and built this ministry, what are some of the challenges and struggles you've experienced as you've built the ministry? I, I think it's, well, let me, let me clarify. Uh, are you asking just growing a ministry in general or just getting the message out, reaching the people we want to reach? Both. Yeah, we can hit one after the other. <clears throat> yeah, well, I think I think the first issue is really uh, helping people to understand uh, that there's a problem, <laughs> mm-hmm. that that they're missing out on something, and it's it's something that like for the Christians, and I, I can say this because I I don't feel like I'm pointing my finger at either crowd, the Jews or the Christians. And at the same time, I'm pointing my finger at both crowds, and I'm doing that from inside both of them, which is a good place to be, right? So right. I, I, I see it more as a an invitation and not a condemnation of either. But it's a, hey, let, let's come and see. But I, I think that we are are guilty on both sides of what I would call a drive-by faith. And uh, I, I've led 25 tours to Israel. It's one of my favorite places to be, one of my favorite places to go. But uh, what I have found is that you know, I, I've gone to 125 different cities in Israel, and one of the most painful parts for me is is to drive by a place that I know would be an amazing stop, but because we're only there for 10 days, uh, we can't stop and hit everything. And so we're driving by, and, I'm, and I, I, I can't even tell the people because if they knew what they were missing, it would just be too painful for all of them, right? Like if I said, this is the place where Gideon was, where he met, and they le- they knelt down, and some of the men lapped up the water, and some of the, right? So you, you have those moments, and you're, you drive by, and you're thinking like, I wish I could stop and tell everybody about everything all over the place, and I can't. We have to keep going. Well, I think <clears throat> that a, a lot of times Christians will read things in the Bible 
and are totally missing. They're driving by something that they don't really know is there and they don't know what they're missing. That I think that's a struggle. Like you look at something like John chapter seven and John is making a point seven times in John seven. He says, now it was the feast of booths. And he says, it was the feast of booths, feast of booths. Like seven times he's saying this. And I think that a lot of us, we just kind of drive by this passage and we don't really know what that means. And we don't know that there's some significance. There's a hyperlink there that's pointing us back to act one. And if we really had an understanding, um, we would have such a deeper, richer faith. So I, I think that that's problem number one. And, and for the Jewish people, it's it's the same thing, but just in reverse. Um, mm. That that's that's like a frustration of like, because when you're when you're pushing something out, whether it's a ministry or you're marketing something in a business, you're trying to solve people's problems. It's right. hard to solve problems that people aren't aware that they actually have, right? Mm. And so I would say that that's the second part of this is how do you actually talk about this in such a way and get traction and tell people, you actually have a problem. You're missing out on half the story. And they're all, no, 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 no. I, I know everything. Uh, and we tell them, well, there's all this stuff in the Old Testament that you're missing out. And they're all, no, 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 we know David and Goliath. Uh, I've heard of... <laughs> I've heard of Noah in the Ark. I was like, no, there's just so much more that we're missing. So it's an invitation, but all of this takes, you know, we're going to have a half hour podcast here, but it takes so much context to get people. We, we want to sit down and have that conversation with them. Mm. And so is there quite a bit of education that's taking place within what you guys do just to bring awareness to that initial problem? Yeah, I, I think there's a ton of that that's needed. And that's why we, we have a podcast where we can actually sit and, and explain things out. We have the blog posts and, and then there's things like, and I think maybe like the best like entry point, not only for the Jewish people, but for Christians in the church is, is the Passover Seder. Um, and our, our biggest, like conceptually, what we understand of it is it's this picture that is the last supper. And most people don't realize the last supper was the last Seder that Jesus would have had with his disciples. And it wasn't the first one, but it was certainly the last. Um, and to give context to that story and what Jesus is doing. And that's probably what I would say is our favorite thing to do is to get into churches uh, and, and to be able to share this story as a point of saying like, hey, even communion, the bread and the cup, is so integral to what we do as believers, uh, but there's still so much that we're missing. And so those are the places of education. And it's a, it, it just, it takes time and you can't just drive by. You have to kind of park and you have to sit there for a little bit. Mm. And when did you guys start? When did the ministry start? <clears throat> we're young. How old are we? Yeah. Well, when we moved out here, shortly after we moved out here to Kentucky, uh, we really got it launched. So that was uh, probably about two and a half years ago. Okay. And so over the span of a two and a half year period, are there any churches or groups that you have walked with over that period of time that you can point to and say, hey, they're, really they were oblivious when we started this process with them. And now we've seen significant growth over that period of time. Yeah, there, there have been a number of churches that uh, we have spoken in, uh, and we do it a lot of, a lot of times together, and sometimes uh, we go in different directions. Uh, but I could say that uh, there are a lot of uh, Christian churches that ask us to come in, 
And when we share it, the best part is, you know, people's response is that, wow, I never thought of it that way, or I never heard of that before. And what we're really doing is just attaching and connecting the uh, Act 1 and the Act 2, the Old Testament and the New Testament together so that there's a full story. You know, it's kind of like the same way Stephen did with the religious leaders in Chapter 7 of Acts. And, uh, you know, he is just constantly drawing on the Old Testament as he's presenting a defense of the faith. And, of course, what else would he draw from? That's the only scripture that there was. Right. Mm. Yeah, but we've seen there's there's a there's a Korean church. Uh, it's a it's a larger Korean church, uh, and half of their budget every single year goes to missions, worldwide missions. Uh, yeah. But in addition to that, the first one percent of their budget goes to ministry to the Jewish people. Um, so they are already moving, but they see us as a conduit to be able to get that message out. Uh, there's there's churches in California that we've got to share with. There's uh, I got to do a, a Passover Seder in the basement of a Texas tycoon's house uh, with with some really amazing people in, in the government. So there, there have been some people all along the way that we've got to share this story with and, and build some traction. And so some of those people um, you know, there's there's probably just as many uh, Jewish people here in central Kentucky as there is in the country of Cuba, but we are reaching them. And that's that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I, I would say, Zach, also that uh, just to add to that, um, for years, uh, I would go before the pandemic, I would go to New York uh, for about a week, sometimes two weeks uh, every year. We'd go to Brooklyn, New York City, it's all the other area to engage the Jewish community there, from the secular Jewish community, community to the ultra-Orthodox, um, and have conversations with them. And interestingly, uh, there's there's a group of people who come from different parts of the country for that purpose uh, during uh, that particular week. And one of, the, one of the people that I met there was a Korean pastor. And as we were talking, we uh, discovered that uh, we were both uh, coming from California at the time. And when we asked each other where, uh, we both lived in Orange County. And, you know, it happened that he was like about 20 minutes from where I was. And we really connected and had a uh, really strong, uh, you know, relationship develop to where he he is so uh, Jewish in in his outreach. He has a Bless Israel night once a month. And he asked me to come and speak there every month. So I would go and I would speak there every month. And then he asked me to come and do a teaching at their school. So we did a 10-week uh, teaching on the Messiah and Israel at the end of history. And uh, so the, it, it was a great relationship that developed. And his church is one of those churches that it's a Korean church that gives uh, 1% of their uh all of their income to Jewish ministry. And mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, there, there are, there are some places out there that are really friends to Israel and the Jewish people. Uh, we just want to help them make the connection between the act one and the act two so that, you know, they can give an effective witness. Cause a lot of times, uh, Gentile Christians can do a lot better uh, in that regard than we can do because you guys are just being who you're supposed to be. 
You know, if we talk to them about this, we're traitors just to start off with. Mm. And so that's a, that, that gives us a uh, it gives us a, a real impetus to to bring the message into the church. And uh, we want to bring the message also to our Jewish people, all of them that will listen. Yeah. And that's so that that idea of standing in the gap, right, between the Jewishness of the gospel and the faith of Christians. Yeah. Like you guys are really doing that with this ministry. That's cool. <clears throat> well, hey, I want to make sure that we uh, take a moment to hear from today's sponsor. But when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on Jewish Road with Matt and Ron Davis. Are you looking to grow your ministry but don't have the money and marketing knowledge to make that happen? There's good news. Google offers an advertising grant to churches and ministries that is worth $10,000 per month. This means that if your ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit, you are eligible to receive $120,000 per year in free advertising dollars. This allows you to place ads at the top of Google search results pages and drive thousands of visitors to your ministry website every month. Our sponsor, Click Nonprofit, helps your ministry acquire this Google ad grant and then manages your Google ads to ensure you get the most out of the grant. Schedule a free consultation at clicknonprofit.com to learn more about how this grant can help your specific ministry. Mention the Ministry Growth Show when you sign up to get 20% off your first three months of management. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. We've been talking with Matt and Ron Davis from the Jewish Road about connecting Christians and Jews with the Jewish roots of the Christian faith. Guys, can you share a little bit about your own journey through the scriptures as God has revealed both uh, what we've been talking about so far, but also your call into this this gap that we've discussed? Yeah, uh, I, I grew up in this, right? So I, I say I was marinated in it. There's a, mm. a, a 19th century... Uh, kind of Sunday school theologian, uh, Horace Bushnell, and he said that uh, a kid should grow up thinking himself a Christian rather than ever having this moment of, of major transition and life change, right? So you look at my dad's story, and uh, it was profound. And in fact, for a lot of Jewish people, for them to come to faith and then tell their family, uh, a lot of times Jewish parents will stop talking to their kids, never talk to them again. In fact, some uh, will even have a funeral uh, and mourn the death and the loss of their child. So it's very unique that my dad's parents or my grandparents uh, were the ones that told my dad about their faith. It's it's kind of a backwards and unique thing. So mm. growing up as a third generation Messianic Jew, um, I didn't really know what it was that I was being brought up in. Um, the fact that we would do uh, Shabbat, Sabbath, every single Friday night. Uh, you know, and there's some painful parts about being Jewish, right? Like we don't have Christmas, but we tried to offset that with eight nights of Hanukkah. <laughs> so there's all of these things. So we didn't do things very traditionally. Uh, and, uh, but, but also it was very normal, but we, we were not in that like New York, you know, neighborhood where there's lots of other Jews around us. So we kind of had to make our own way. And I remember, you know, talking to like uh, a friend at school during high school who was a Mormon. He said, well, wait, you're Jewish. Like, why do you go to a church? And trying to like, and I would answer as much as I could, but I'd have to run back home at the end of the day and ask my dad, hey, this guy keeps asking me these questions. What am I supposed to do with this? And 
it's just it was very it, it's it's always been a, a place of having to explain and so i've worked on the messaging of this uh, trying to figure out who i am my entire life and mm. and so that's where you know it, it's a lot easier for me to do that now it's it's easier for me to talk to my kids about it but you know, all of these years, uh, as I served as a pastor, everybody would say, you're a pastor, but you're Jewish. And so they would mm-hmm. look and they're like, oh, and some some people thought, well, that's really cool. Uh, and then some people said, well, that doesn't make sense. Like, you're not Jewish anymore. Well, well no, no, I actually am. I'm still very Jewish. Like, if you're Chinese and you believe in Jesus, you don't stop being Chinese. You're still Chinese, right? So I'm still Jewish. And then I would have Jewish friends that would say, you're Jewish, but you love Jesus. And so I think it was us standing in this middle piece and people trying to take a piece of us. It, it was, you know, almost like my when my dad was being told he's not for you. Um, I had people on the other side of things saying, you're not with them. And so people would say, hey, you're no longer Jewish. You're with us here in the church. Uh, and then I'd have the Jewish people that would say, you know, <clears throat> because you believe in Jesus, you're no longer with us, you're with them. And I just want to say, like, I kind of want to be with everybody. And let's, mm. not, let's not divide, but let's bring together the best parts of this and really look at what a biblical faith looks like for a Gentile. What does a biblical faith look like for a Jewish person? And how do we be able to, how do we tell that story to everybody? Hmm. If I if I can uh, insert something in here also, you know, uh, from from the time, you know, Matt was a little kid and also his brother and his sister, you know, we, we would I would read to them all the time and I would tell them stories about Yeshua, their Messiah. And uh, there was a lot of confusion because in our family, uh, one side, their grandparents were not believers you know, in fact, uh, okay. Yeah. In fact, my father-in-law on the other side was the president of the synagogue. So it made things even more difficult. Um, then on the other side, yeah, my father and my mother are, are believers. And, uh, you know, I could see all of this confusion amongst how come they're Jewish and they are, and they're Jewish and they're not. And, uh, we enrolled him in a Christian, uh, school, uh, not far from us, uh, when he started kindergarten and I remember picking him up from school one day and he gets in the car and he says, you know, there are people here who believe in Jesus and they're not even Jewish. <laughs> so I said, I said, well, I think you're starting to get it now. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. And that's, I would say that that is kind of the funny part is how much things have changed. My, how things have changed over the last two millennia, right? Cause Today, people will say, wow, you're Jewish and you believe in Jesus. 2,000 years ago, you look at like Acts chapter 15, you have the Jerusalem Council, and you have all the Jews who are asking, what are we going to do with all of these Gentiles who are professing faith in Jesus? And the tables have really turned. Uh, but we're trying to really like step into that space and say, no, 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 we all belong. And there is one new man. And, you know, obviously that there's there's a whole message in, in all of this stuff that we can go through for hours and hours. But, you know, that that is the place that we find ourselves in. And uh, we actually like it. It's a good place. Mm. Yeah. The funny thing is, is we want the Gentiles to feel like they're in that same place. Also, they mm. should suffer as much as we do. <laughs> 
We like good suffering. Oh well, yeah, that's just making sure that there's that the entire entire biblical narrative is being taught, right? Like this idea. I, I like how you guys frame it and message it. This idea of the two acts of the story. One audience is only listening to half. The other audience is only listening to that second half. Like there's a there's a greater biblical narrative, a single story that's being told. Uh, this creation, fall, redemption, restoration narrative, and it's all one story with with a single singular main character, right? And and so um, that's cool. Um, how? As you guys stand in this gap, how are you guys working discipleship or disciple making into what you're doing, whether those programs or, or strategies or models or otherwise? Yeah, I think it's interesting in this very digital world, right? Like, so all three of us are in a different spot right now. And so we can actually have a conversation like this and record. It's kind of crazy. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's kind of crazy to have followers uh on this podcast which is you know it's it's almost like a, a a weekly church gathering right where you have people from all over the world and we're looking at this and we know that like five percent of our audience is listening from israel of all places right so obviously most of our audience is from here in the states but we know that the jewish people are listening israel is listening that's mm. It's amazing. That's great discipleship. We get questions every once in a while that come in and, and people are, are asking. And, the, and so there's that discipleship and people are trying to make sense. We have people that are writing us and saying, like, I never thought about it. And, and like my dad said earlier, one of my favorite things is we go and speak at a church and we'll have somebody. It's not somebody who's like 25. A lot of times it's people who are 70 and older and they're like, I've been going to church my entire life. And this is the first time I've heard this. And it's true. I, I, you know, I've we've both gone through seminary. Uh, you went to a Christian school. Like this stuff is not taught, and it needs to be. And so, how do we actually do that? And that's this discipleship process. How do we build relationship? Um, we get to disciple people. Um, I, what I love about going on an Israel trip is is that we are discipling very intentionally over the course of one Israel trip. We'll speak 40 to 45 times. That's a lot of messages, but those relationships wow. continue on. And, and to be able to open the word in all of these different places, it's actually a very intimate and bonding experience to be able to walk people through. So whereas we don't necessarily uh, have a uh, we're not you know, leading a church, although we have a, a monthly gathering that's here locally, uh, Asbury University and Seminary are right down the road from us. Um, so we have a monthly uh, Shabbat gathering, a Sabbath gathering, just to remind people that we're called to work from our rest and not rest from our work. And that this idea and concept of Sabbath is, is God's invitation. God did it and we did it too. We do it too. And so God invites us to enter into his rest. And so what does that look like? And so we are developing these conversations with some folks and and, and leaning in a, a little bit, uh, first and foremost, that they would be connected to God and then to understand God's heart. Because really, you, the, the, the percentage of Jewish people in the world today who believe in Jesus, I've heard between 1% and 2% of the Jewish population, which is nothing. But can wow. you imagine what a tragedy it would be that Christians would go out into all of the world and live out this great commission and miss Jesus's biological family. Mm. So a lot of times what friends of ours would say is that, you know, what is that great omission in the great commission? It's the fact that we're not reaching out to the Jewish people. 
So we talk about how do we reach out to Mormons? How do we reach out to people who believe in Buddha? Well, we also need to have an apologetic for how we reach out to the Jewish people as well. So that's a bit of our discipleship journey. That's really cool. Ron, is there anything you want to add to that? Yeah, well, you know, especially uh, when Paul is addressing uh, those house churches in Rome uh, that are kind of tending to move away from the Jewish roots, uh, mostly because all of the Jews were expelled from Rome uh, for about five years uh, when Claudius was emperor. Um, But when he died, they came back and uh, the neighborhood had changed. And Paul has to write to them. And the first thing he says is, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Messiah. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. But Mm -hmm. you get the sense that uh, missions to the Jews are dropping off a little. And you get to uh, the 11th chapter of Romans and uh, says, as God rejected his people and we foreknew, God forbid, I'm one of them. Uh, from the seed of Abraham, from the tribe of Benjamin. I can give you my tribal lineage. It's not impossible. God is still saving Jewish people. And so we have that, uh, that message and that impetus that we, we take out in the same way that Paul did, um, that uh, God wants Jewish people to hear the gospel. You know, he said in chapter 10, you know, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And so, you know, we we have this running rampant through all of the scripture. And even in the times of Israel's discipline in the Old Testament, God brings them back and he says, I'm not doing this for your sake. I'm doing this for my name's sake so that you will know that I am the Lord. And not only that, the nations will know that I am the Lord. And so it's a tremendous message throughout, you know, Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and all the way into the Gospels and into the New Testament scriptures. Uh, It's all very Jewish. And uh, we need to, uh, I think, recapture that because part of what we deal with, uh, most people might not know, but uh, the the church today, uh, according to the latest uh, Pew Research, is about 75% replacement theology. And so we have, uh, we have a lot uh, of work to do in that regard in bringing uh, a Jewish gospel to Christians and reminding them that Jesus was a Jew and at the same time reminding our own people that he was and he's the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So you guys mentioned that you've both been through seminary. Was this stuff taught within seminary? (laughs) Uh, You know, I I had some professors that uh, were more into it, uh, you know, and some who weren't. Uh, I I remember I had had one really good professor at Talbot, um, and we happened to be discussing uh, Paul and his, uh, you know, he he was going out to uh, persecute, quote unquote, Christians, you know, uh, that's what one of my classmates said. And I said, wait a minute, do you mean Christians like you? And he said, well, yeah. I said, I don't think so. And uh, he, he said, what do you mean? I said, well, I said, Paul was going out to, to pull out believers, but they were Jewish. I said, he was going with papers from the high priest. 
he had no authority over the Gentiles, you know, uh, he could have cared less if Gentiles believed this stuff. What he was concerned with was that the Jews believed it. And the professor took a step back and he said, I think he's right. And so, you know, I had some professors that were really good um, and some didn't quite understand the Jewish apologetic. And so mm. we had to uh, had to go. I had to go another mile and explain that. And uh, But I got along with all of them. Everybody was great. That's awesome. Now, what are you guys doing to communicate the stories of how God is moving through the Jewish road? Well, I think it'd be all of some of the the normal stuff that you do. We have all the social media accounts and we get to tell some of those stories and report, you know, so we give people the opportunity to, to join us. Uh, and, and then we, we go out and we do something like a trip to Cuba, like we did uh, last week. And then we get to come back and we get to tell the story of what happened, right? And uh, amazing stuff like um, my wife and I were invited to a Christmas party in December. And and we're fine with that. We don't have a tree at our house, but we, we love Jesus and we celebrate his birth. That's fine. Um, but we go to a, a Christmas party and we, we got there on time, which was early, right? And so uh, there's there's the host and one other couple. And the couple is there. And he is Catholic, and he married a Jew. And uh, it turns out that uh, he is a pharmacist. And one of the things that we were doing is uh, not only training house church pastors out there in Cuba, but uh, we also got to go and meet with the leadership of the Jewish community in the synagogue in Old Havana. Uh, actually got to have lunch at their house. Um, but part of what we wanted to do is we brought in lots of medical supplies. They can't get anything over there. So it turns out uh, we, we reached out to this uh, Catholic pharmacist who happens to be married to a Jew and said, hey, guess what? Uh, we're going to reach the Jewish people of Cuba. And one of the things we're going to do is we're going to bring them medical supplies. Uh, would you be willing to donate? And he said, absolutely. He gave us this massive box. We brought a whole suitcase full and then some uh, and, and got to go there and got to bless the Jewish community. Uh, and so those are some of the ways that we get to, now we get to come back, uh, get to correspond with him. We're going to be able to share videos. Uh, it just so happens that we have some kids in the house here who are videographers and podcast experts. And so they're helping us push all of this out. But that's what we want to do. We want to tell the story. And I'm going to go back to that, that, that Catholic pharmacist who's married to the Jewish girl and uh, be able to say, look at what uh, happened through you because of you. And uh, we got to bless this community. So uh, I love telling the story. And I think that that's, that's a huge part. Mm. That's cool. So you mentioned you have videographers in the house. What does, what does that mean? <laughs> well, you know, I'm not sure if you uh, watch the NBA, but there's not a lot of Jewish guys on the court out there. Um, <laughs> Not exactly known for our height. In fact, uh, one of the guys that we met in Havana, Cuba, he uh, there, there's something. It's like the Jewish Olympics. It's called the the Maccabee Games. Uh, okay. It's held once every four years. But we, I, I know, I don't want to brag. I don't want to name drop. But we got to hang out with the ping pong gold medalist for the Maccabee Games in Israel for 2020. That's not bad, right? Not pretty bad. good. So. Where we lack in height, I can't. I, I, we won't spawn a, a a basketball tribe, but what we are building is a marketing empire here at the Jewish Road. So I have a 
I have a 15 year old son who is a world-class video editor. And so he creates amazing videos and has done some courses and stuff like that for us. And then my 17 year old son, uh, is he, he wants to make music. He wants to be a music producer. So he'll take, uh, our podcast recordings and he fine tunes it and makes it great and helps us to get it out there. Um, so we have a we have a twelve year old daughter as well, and uh, I have a feeling that she's going to be helping us with social media. There's a little bit of a she likes to talk and she likes to get the word out. She's a good promoter, um, so I, that that's our little Jewish marketing empire that we're building here at the Jewish Road. That's awesome. Yeah, truly, truly a family run business, huh? It is. Yeah, and the wives are involved, and we got all. It, it's a good thing. That's cool. That's cool. Well. Um, man, this has been really cool. It's been fun to get to know you guys and learn about the Jewish road. If, uh, if people want to get a hold of you, if leaders from churches or other nonprofits want to look into partnership with you guys, how can listeners, listeners get a hold of you, uh, and learn more, stay up to date with what you guys are doing, et cetera. Yeah. The easiest place is, uh, the website. You can go to the Jewish and, uh, on there there's, contact page. You can also email us, uh, shalom at the Jewish road.com. Doesn't that feel very Jewish? Shalom at uh-huh. the Jewish road.com. Um, but yeah, there you can engage. You can send us stuff. We're on social media at the Jewish road and Facebook and all the other fun stuff. Or you could just text my dad and his cell phone number is, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah, we, yeah no, we're out there and available, but we, we love, and I'll tell you like, uh, you know, depending on when this podcast is out, but anytime really, there's always something to talk about. And we have a ton of holidays, but uh, to come before Easter, um, which is also Resurrection Sunday, uh, or what we like to call the Feast of First Fruits, to come before then and to give context to that Passion Week. Um, we we have some things that we share that I guarantee you nobody's heard of, um, but it's all there in Scripture when you get to see it unfold. So uh, mm. to be able to have us come into your community and to be able to share and to be able to help tell that story, uh, there's nothing better for us. That's cool. Well, thanks, guys. Can I pray for you as we wrap up? Yeah, please. Father, I uh, thank you for this opportunity to hang out with Matt and Ron and uh, just ask that you would bless their ministry guide them, guide and lead them as, as they follow in your uh, call and invitation to partnership in this ministry with them. Um, I pray that uh, the training and education and the work that they're doing would help uh, both the Christian world and the Jewish world realize the um, implications for this entire biblical narrative or this entire um, redemptive story that you're telling. And so, um, yeah, just ask that you'd go before them and lift them up to you, Lord. We love you. Thank you that we get to be a part of what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for being on the show, guys. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jack. That was great. Yeah, it was Thanks, nice Zach. meeting you, and uh, we wish you guys the best. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at reliantcreative.org. 
See you next time.